Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I was kind of a minority within a minority. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting-edge technology and innovation, and through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation. Because I've come to realise that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of logistics. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Great. I, this is the first time we're actually, I'm actually recording face-to-face, so it's very exciting. Thank you so much for offering me some hand cream. I think <laughs> I might have a go now, because, yeah, it's winter time. I'm not hydrating enough. Don't even have time to drink during the day. So, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Recently got a promotion and working Whoa. in logistics. Wow. So, very exciting. What does it mean, logistics? What, what do you actually do? So, if you imagine you buy something online and then it turns up at your door, it's what happens in between those two things. Oh, wow. Okay, so really crucial, especially in the era of Amazon and mm. shopping online is just such a thing these days. Definitely, especially with Christmas coming up too. Yeah. So, are you really busy now? Yes. It's very busy. Um, a lot busier than last month, I can already tell you that from really? now. Yes, wow, people are so organised. I know, I'm so surprised because I haven't even started. No, <laughs> I, I've, I'm just figuring out last year's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, what got you into logistics? So I studied mechanical engineering at oh, university. Oh, mechanical engineer for the Yeah, day. exactly. <laughs> uh, my four A-levels, I did all three sciences and maths. Wait, you did four A-levels? Yeah, biggest mistake. Okay, are you just like <laughs> one of these walking geniuses? No, I, I can't say that. Why all. did you do four? Because I was confused. I didn't know what I wanted to do as a career. So okay. I thought, might as well do all four. So what which, did you do? So I did chemistry, physics maths and biology okay guys she says that she's not a walking brain (laughs) i just think she must be i originally wanted to do medicine and i was doing work experience everywhere that i could so my mum um she's from malaysia i went over to malaysia and did i'm half malaysian really yeah no way which part of malaysia are you from kuala lumpur but just Um, outside bangsal okay my mum lived in penang island oh yeah yeah Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my to... gosh, we're sisters. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> I went to Malaysia and I did a month work experience in one of the hospitals there. Right. But because um, the doctors were really helpful, they just wanted me to cover everything. So I went through pretty much every department there was. Yeah. Um, and it was, it really inspired me to become a doctor. However, I came back to England and I started doing work experiences in, you know, the busiest A&E places in, in the UK and it really showed me the the brutal part of actually being a doctor here in right. this country. And oh, com- is it so different? Yeah, it? comparing the two countries, I just didn't feel like doctors or anyone who worked in medicine was 
appreciated or recognised or even treated fairly by this society. Do you know what? I think that's STEM. Because I, I was just having a conversation today about engineering and how in the UK, engineers are just not rated or respected. Yeah. See, that's another thing I, I want to pick up on. Yeah. <laughs> so medicine sort of went out the window. Yeah. And then my mum, just quite casually in the house, just said, why don't you try engineering? So we had a conference happening that schools were invited to. So I went to it, had a little try, saw... Um, I think it was Brunel University. Oh, they had did one she of those... go to Brunel? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, like, oh my God, we're stalking each other. <laughs> but um, Brunel, they have that book every year where it has all those um, engineering projects that students do. And I was flicking through and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing that people have the mind to do something inspirational and then actually create it. it. And yeah. then it is published in a book and I thought it was absolutely amazing. So I decided to try and give it a go. So yeah, applied. Didn't get into my universities because I missed okay. my grades. Ah, um, okay. Predicted four A's, got two A's, two... Sorry. Predicted four A's, got two B's, two C's. Oh, my God, you loser. It was... It was <laughs> I mean, the most, come on. I know. Predicted. The thing is, my... I went to a school where getting A stars and A's was, you know, the best thing. Everyone had to get it. And if you didn't, you were looked at as a failure. But, and I mean, two B's and two C's is awesome. I wish I knew that back then because I was kicking myself for a really long time and Mm. this is kind of what I I always tell people is you know you you technically don't fail there's no No. such thing as failure really I mean you can perceive it as failure but realistically you have so many opportunities you have so many skills so much talent you can apply yourself anywhere regardless especially as a woman in STEM because not that we get like kind of an easy ride Mm -hmm. but you know, if you're predicted four A's and you don't get that, clearly you were capable of getting four A's. And, mm-hmm. and so you absolutely deserve to be studying STEM. Yeah, it's true. And I felt like at the time that every door was shut and I couldn't really get anywhere. But wow. I did the whole clearing thing, called up all, a bunch of universities and secured a place at my university. Woo. So you got into a university. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. You started your McEng course. Yes, I did. And first year, I found so difficult. Can we just highlight the fact that you were not given any special treatment? Yeah. Because a lot of people <laughs> think that women in STEM are given special treatment. Mm-hmm. And you went through the same process of getting into a university like everybody else. Exactly. It's so true. Okay, so you're at your university. So I'm at my university and I'll admit I found it really difficult to transition from A-levels to university mm. just because of the step up. But also I experienced a car crash. Not, like an actual one? Yeah, an actual oh, car gosh. crash. So that actually happened just before exams and I struggled. I was going through trauma. I couldn't remember things. I couldn't revise. I couldn't even concentrate. And then I had to do my exams. But I was lucky that my university gave me a lot of support. So that meant even though I did fail one, the others I passed fine, they said it was fine for me to retake it. I could retake it without a cap on it. But they're really understanding of, you know, the health problems I was having as a result of that car crash. And, and what was it like in your class? Because for me, there was 139 of us and eight of us were girls or something crazy like that. The same. The yeah. same. There was hardly any girls. But what I found annoying was some of the girls just gave, gave women in engineering this face of we're always trying to prove a point. We're really outspoken. Um, we're rude. And that really annoyed me because there were so few of us women 
that it was almost any action that we did we were branding what women in engineering is and mm. just because one day someone's having a bad day that shouldn't become what, what female engineers are if that yeah. makes sense so were you kind of like lonely when you were doing your engineering I wouldn't course? say lonely I just felt that a lot of things were going out of my um what's the word I just felt judged so it would be like I've walked into labs I'm about to do labs i I think I'm going to have a great day because I've read up on it. I know what I'm going to do. I get given a partner who is a male who didn't read up, doesn't want to do anything. But because I'm a female, he thinks I'm going to work really hard. So just jumps on a bandwagon and just gets the grade the same as me, even though he participated in nothing. Oh, because you were collaborating? Exactly. So we did you feel like you had to work harder? I wouldn't say I had to work harder. I felt like... It was assumed that girls would work harder because there are so few of us in engineering. Mm. So we were either taken for a ride because people just use us to get the good grade because we were always paired up in labs. Mm. Or if something went wrong, they'd just blame the woman because the woman doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah. I mean, for me, doing MechEng, I felt like I had to grow a really thick skin. Mm. And I don't know whether the growth of my thick skin really correlated to the time in engineering. Mm. Like, my... I didn't, um, I didn't harden quick enough um, to really cope um, in that sort of very male-dominated mm. environment. How did you cope in it? So I, every time I was told, you need to get thicker skin or um, it's a tough environment, you just need to, you know, be harder... I kept thinking, why is it me that has to change? Because mm. I don't believe that I should be walking into a place and not be accepted based on prejudices or assumptions when they don't even know me. They haven't even seen what I can do, what I can bring. Yeah. And I find it ridiculous. So I don't think I should be growing a thicker skin. I think people should be more open-minded. And I think that is the change that needs to happen. So I'm not sure if, if that in itself has made me have a thicker skin because I'm keeping to my values yeah. or keeping to my opinion but I will always treat people with respect and I would assume that someone would be doing that the same with me especially when they don't even know me so how does that manifest in real life because you know every day as a woman or even just as a person mm -hmm. we are faced with people that make assumptions about us um you know we have to prove ourselves mm. in this world. How do you cope with that on a day-to-day -day basis? So I always remind myself, don't bite off more than you can chew. So if you can make a change in a small area of a company that you work in, for instance, then be the driver of that change. So one of the things I was doing was I was running sessions with different levels of leadership and different groups of people where we talked about diversity and inclusion in a way that wasn't just women because that's all that's branded everywhere at the moment and as soon as you say women especially in an engineering place they switch off they don't care they're already listing all their arguments in their head they're not listening to you so what's driving that i the thing that's driving it for me is because i'm from two different ethnicities my mum and dad are two different ethnicities and then being someone in britain I sort of have three different complexes <laughs> i struggle to fit into three different um groups that I identify with and that feeling of not not fitting in is horrible but I don't think I'm the only person in the world who feels that I'm not that special everyone has felt what that feels like and that's what has driven me to do things with diversity and inclusion 
getting people to think about when they felt excluded and why it's important to make sure people do feel included. Okay. I'm wondering if people have experienced feeling excluded because, you know, often there's the, well, the white guy in STEM doesn't get Mm -hmm. excluded. Do you think they do? Yeah, absolutely. And especially when I was doing these sessions, people were... We said it was a safe space so that they can share their experiences, whether it's in the workplace or outside. And some of them shared some really sort of heartbreaking experiences. And you're thinking, well, my perception is that because you are white, male, middle-aged, you know, middle class, I assume that you have everything right. But I'm wrong to even assume that of you too. Ooh, that is so like unconventional in the sense like usually there's a lot of resentment Mm -hmm. towards the privileged class or Mm -hmm. ethnicity or race um but I love your perspective because it's really that is truly inclusive yeah have you always been that way or did you learn to Um, be more tolerant I've just been quite a curious person um but I don't know I'm not sure if you can relate to this, but I've always been um, in... So I grew up in a place that was very white. It wasn't very diverse. And it got to a point where I just assumed that I was everyone. And I became I became someone who just assumed that everyone's the same, regardless of what I see in colour. Because I'm in a household where I've got two different colours in, in my household. But then I'm also walking out in the street and I see another colour. So everything is different to me. And I just assume that I am everything too. And then every now and then I check my skin. I'm like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> that's, that's not me. But um, yeah, I, I just always think it's best to be open-minded and accepting of people unless they do something, you know, you know, awful towards you. But realistically, everyone's a human being and should be treated with respect. So it sounds like you've never actually had the attitude of, you know what, I've had it really tough. As a mm. woman, as a person of ethnic minority, like... You've never kind of used that as a sort of like, you know, a calling card of like, be nice to me. I'm yeah. Believe me, I I'm very good at internalizing it, which I'm not sure if it's healthy, but I do look at it. I've had situations where I have been treated because of the way I look and the color of my skin and even my gender, and instead of fighting back, I tend to internalize it and I think why. What did I do that was so bad that deserved the treatment that that person gives me? And I almost reflect on what should I have done differently so that that person doesn't do that to me or someone similar again. And I know there are so many ways that people can handle it. And I do Mm. wish that I had a bit more of a a backbone to actually say to someone, you know what, that's not right. That's not okay. But... So when you internalise it, um, does it have a positive effect or a negative effect? It's kind of like both. So sometimes if it's in the moment, negative effect, because I I get really upset by it and then I have to then pick myself up. But the positivity in it is that's why I started doing things like diversity and inclusion sessions. It makes me think, what is it that I can do differently that can change the way other people think? Mm. Because I can't change the world, but I can at least change a little group here. And if I tell a story, they've got a story that they could tell someone else. And it's almost like a chain reaction. Yeah. I mean, I must say, when we have only recently met, and when I saw you, I, you're just radiating 
um, warmth. Oh, thank you. And you're so inspiring. And it's kind of like it just... You, you, you didn't even have to say anything. It's just the way you carry yourself. You just kind of feel at home around you. Have you always been that way? Or, or has this been something that you've developed over time? I'm really not sure. But my mum's always... My mum has always told me that um, when I was a kid, I used to just skip around singing and people in like the supermarkets would be like oh you have such a happy child and it's true I still do that today even in my workplace people go you've got a really nice voice I'm like how do you know but apparently I was singing so I I don't know I just walk around maybe I look like I'm in my own little days or dreamland but I just try my best to be positive I guess yeah it's a better way to be it's a lot happier and easier in all the podcasts that I've done, it just seems like time and time again, it's all about attitude. Mm-hmm. And it's really been inspiring to hear women push through a lot of prejudice. Absolutely. Um, does prejudice ever get you down? Yes, it does. But the little comforting thing that I keep telling myself is that person doesn't know me. Like, mm. even if they, they're telling, you know, they could be talking about me behind my back. They could be saying things that I don't even do or even think or even say. And I'm looking at them going, that's really sad that that's what you do in your free time. Honestly. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I have now just spotted a difference between you and me, which is that um, when people get me wrong, mm-hmm. I go out of my way to try and really prove them wrong. Like, I'm like, no, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. I don't like dark chocolate like <laughs> I, I need you to know that I don't like dark uh-huh. chocolate because your opinion of me matters so mm-hmm. much it doesn't sound like you have that no so in my head I prefer to use my energy for things that um that either give me I don't know just give me more valuable things like I if someone thinks that I you know as don't I said, like don't like dark chocolate I'll look at them and be like well that's really sad of you to then you know waste your time and energy on thinking something like that when it it really means nothing to you you know <gasps> do you get what I mean that's amazing you know that's something that my little sister has aced she literally gives can I swear yeah my little sister gives <laughs> no shits you can say anything she'll just look at you and be like and like that's really sad that oh my gosh okay so I I literally have to learn from like step one okay so (laughs) someone is telling you Mm -hmm. that you like dark chocolate and you know you don't Uh you just walk away well you look at them and in your head you're thinking the amount of energy that you're going to have to use to then fight that well that energy could be put to something you know you could be doing a face mask or a hair mask at home or you could be, you know, planning your future or your holiday. That energy, just keep it inside yourself. Keep that positivity inside yourself. Shun away that negativity. It doesn't matter. Oh my gosh. Okay, I need to bottle that or like <laughs> put it in a cage or like... Write on a post-it note. Put it on your mirror. Yes. Every day tell yourself that. So what would I write on a post-it note? Like how would we summarise what you've just said? Just turn your back on negativity. Honestly... It's just not worth it. Because also, as soon as something bad happens, sometimes if you can't get over it, it looms over you for a day. It could be two days. It could be a week. It could even be a year. Yeah. It could be ages. And it's just not worth it. Think of all the good things that you have already that you could even be putting your energy towards to make yourself better. That's more important, surely, than someone's opinion. That isn't even true. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. Okay. I need to get some post-it notes. (laughs) And a pen. Um... So how is that translated to you being a woman in logistics? Mm -hmm. So um, I'd say 
being in a management role, especially because I'm quite young, I'm 23, and this <gasps> is my first. Yeah, this is my oh first my management role. Okay, I'm feeling a bit inadequate right now. Hold like on, metrics. I just need to. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> how can I make myself feel better? Um, Why? Like, you're gorgeous. You're super young. Stop. You're like excelling in your field. This is amazing. I I put it down to your attitude. So mm. before this podcast is through, I want to know exactly what makes you tick, <laughs> so that I can be like you when I grow up. Oh goodness, what? <laughs> Because I'm like double your age. No, no, not really. But like when I grow up, mm-hmm. I want to be like you. Oh, okay, goodness. so let's okay. try and like get the absolute fundamentals of what makes I haven't you got do. everything right, by the way. I can only like tell you what I've tried so far. Okay, so maybe it's quicker, seeing, seeing as you're such a major high achiever, to figure out what it is that you're still struggling with. And then we'll go back to the stuff that you've nailed. Yeah, okay. okay, so what do you still struggle with? So I'm not very good at being direct but not just direct it's almost like um so because i work in operations if you need something done you have to hold your choice or you know your decision really firmly but sometimes um it's perceived that i don't do that so it could be for example i need four people to help me in this area but someone says says to me well i'm strapped for people i can't give you anyone so in other words no door shut Mm. i need to be that person who keeps opening that door Mm. and sometimes I find it difficult when I'm speaking with other managers or supervisors that um, they feel like that I'm not listening to them. But realistically, we need to find a solution because we can't just leave another area with nothing and another one, you know, doing fine. We have to do a compromise. And that's something that I really need to keep practicing. So where are you hoping to get with that? So firstly, speaking to my leadership, because these people have been doing this for years they have a lot of experience under their belt and also skills and asking them for advice on what to do. Also speaking to those people who I'm struggling with on a level basis. So um, even though I'm technically above them in the hierarchy, I should be talking to them at least on a level so that next time when we are in the operation, this is what I need from you. This is support I need from you. This is what is expected of you. And we also as a team should be working to make sure the site does well, not just our little areas. So those are sort of the areas of improvement I need to do. Do you know what I'm getting from you? You have masses of humility. And I once looked up a definition of humility and it said, um, remaining teachable. And what you just said is not only that you ask for help, which can be really difficult for women in STEM because they want to seem capable and they've mm. got this and you know they don't need anyone. But to also you know, put yourself as a worker amongst workers when you are actually senior mm-hmm. in the role that you do. It's amazing. That is true. You're not the first person to say that. And I do have a lot of humility, but you could say that's because I've been knocked down a few times when I was younger. I mean, I mean when I was a kid, I thought I was invincible. And mm. as soon as things like, you know, you don't get into university or, or other things that happen, mm. you the reality hits you and it reminds you that you are human like everyone else and although we do have little special things about us it's remembering that you're human as well you're not above someone else or you could think that you are but you're not really above someone else everyone's a human being so what were the key things that created that humility or do you think you were born with it Mm, i think self-reflection is the most important thing. It's, you know, the whole emotional intelligence piece. Mm. I think self-reflection, if anyone wants to know where to start, that should be where to start. 
think about what is it that you do every day? What is it that makes you happy? What is it that you contribute to a conversation when you're in a group? All that kinds of things, looking at how you, how you think, how you do, all of that is really important. Mm. So do you self-reflect on your own or do you have like a mentor or a role model? I have many mentors everywhere. And um, whenever people say the word mentor, you think it's like an official position and yeah. they're a person and you see them with meetings every week. That's one kind of mentor. But realistically, you have mentors everywhere. I mean, I introduced you to one of my mentors today, but mm. realistically, we're friends. We go for lunch. We're good people. But I get so much advice from her just on a day-to-day basis. Parents, their mentors, even someone at work who you generally meet for a coffee or you just chit-chat with them, you get so much advice. They're a mentor too. Because mm. sometimes people can find it really difficult to ask for help, especially if you're one of these kind of competitive, high-achieving mm-hmm. individuals that really doesn't want anyone to kind of interfere with their process of getting straight A's and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, how, how do you select a mentor? Mm, I think the first thing to do is just have conversations with people. Because you can have informal conversations and then while you're doing that, you go, oh, actually, I heard that you did X, Y, Z or you've had experience in blah, blah. I'm having difficulty with this. Can you give me any advice? And as soon as you open that door, you can see what kind of advice they give. Is it good quality? Do they just fob it off? Or you know, is it something useful? And you actually enjoyed that conversation and they enjoyed it too. And, you know, you can actually have that relationship with them. Yeah, and I guess maybe one of the obstacles to asking for help is kind of feeling like you didn't get something right or you were incapable in something. Oh my goodness. I regularly, on a daily basis, I don't care how many awards or anything that's on my CV, I know that I get things wrong still. And I know that... You know, I'm, I'm not the best. I'm not the most knowledgeable. I just, in my head, I, I've always thought that because I think I can still be better. There's still so much I can learn. And I think that's really important generally for all women in STEM because there's still so much that we can gain. And as soon as you think you're the best in your field or the best at what you do, you've already switched off to learning. Mm. And that's not helpful for yourself. But it's a really fine balance, isn't it? Because... Um women that want to achieve highly do that by constantly pushing themselves. Mm-hmm. So even if they were to get straight A's, mm-hmm. there'd probably be something in their head saying, well, you could have got four A stars. You know? Do you not get that from your parents? <laughs> I really do. Like, yeah, honestly, I resented it's it. plagued me mm-hmm. because my entire childhood, it was like, you know, I'd get 96% in a maths test and my dad would say, what happened to the 4%? I know, right? I used to get that too. And I do agree, there is a balance because when I used to get that from my parents, I'd look at them and be like, it's an A star. I don't care if it's not 100%. That is good. Yeah. Like, let me be me. But I think you do need to have a balance. So still aim high, but keep wanting to develop, keep wanting to learn and have that humility. So how do you deal with failure? So... If anyone works in operations, they probably feel this too. Operations stays in its site. When you go home, switch off. The site can still run without you. But failure sometimes, you're thinking, okay, so today I failed. Now I have to go back and show my face after I've done, you know, I made silly decisions. Um, Maybe people might be judging me because of what happened. 
But realistically, we're all human and humans make errors. We're not robots. Robots can get 100%. So can humans, but we also make errors. And I think having other people accepting of that can allow you to actually be you and keep trying and trying new things and failing fast. And that's what I like about my, my place of work. Mm. Yeah. Reminding yeah. myself that it's okay to fail because everyone fails. You can even, if you ask anyone, even on the street, you could say, when was the last time you failed? They'll be able to say it and they'll go, yeah, this Five time. Ago. Exactly. <laughs> it's normal. Everyone yeah. does it. Do you think women in STEM in particular have an issue with perfectionism? I wouldn't say they have an issue with perfectionism, but I would say if they do make a mistake, everyone is very quick to point talk it about out. it, point it out, even say it's because of their gender and just yeah. blame it. And remember, mm-hmm. you know, that we made a mistake, whereas exactly. guys are making mistakes all the time and yeah. it just goes under the radar. And then you even, you might hear people saying things like, oh, well, it's because we put a woman in that position. And then next thing you know, people will not want to put a woman there. Yeah. I mean, doesn't it make you angry? Because honestly, you're so chilled out. I'm like trying to find an area of you that is like raging um, about being a woman in I STEM. I think you just caught me on a good day. Oh, okay. <laughs> but do you ever have days where you're just... I, I, like, if you don't, that's great. No, I don't want to do. pull it out of there you if it doesn't exist. There are days where I'm literally marching in my bedroom going, what, can, what am I going to do? This person, blah, blah. But um, yeah, right now, I think you just caught me on a good day. <laughs> wow. Okay. Because I want to be as chilled as you. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the things um, while we were talking that popped into my head is mansplaining. You know when men are like, don't yeah. touch the iron because mm-hmm. it's hot. And you're just like, oh my God, are you serious? Like I could have built that iron with my bare hands because of my mechanical engineering knowledge. Like, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, how do you deal with that? Do you even get that? I think it's really okay. I'm gonna give you a, a great example, and I'm not sure if this is linked with mass blame, but anyway, I'm gonna give you a good example. So, imagine you and your boyfriend go for a job which is the same, but you're coaching women, he's coaching men. You both get the job, you get offered your pay, but he gets offered more. But when you look at your CV, You've got 11 years experience. Your boyfriend's got two. Well, technically one and a half, but two. But he gets paid more. Mm. Now, imagine having the conversation with that boyfriend. If they turned around to you and said, you should have just asked for more money. You're thinking, hold on a second. You go through the process. Okay, the girl, myself, as I was going for my job, They were saying, it's really tough, we can't give you more, it's really difficult, blah, blah, blah. He then said, oh, they just asked me how much I want to get paid. Mm. So you can already see a a massive difference in how they treat females versus males. And then you look at, okay, so for me to get my job, I had to make sure I got a qualification, I had to make sure I had X, Y, Z, all of these points as told by your employer. He said, oh, I haven't even done them yet. But he got offered the job. Again, yeah. unfair. How come it's so hard for a woman, but really easy for the male? Yeah. And even then, the fact that it was your boyfriend, someone who is supposed to be looking out for you, you know, cheerleader, someone who's inspired by you and wants to push you along and, and loves your drive, and they just look at you and go, well, it's not my fault, it's, it's yours. Like, you should have just asked for more money. I was looking at him like... Oh, this actually happened? This actually happened. Oh, my gosh. How we had this conversation over dinner and 
I was just like, this is ridiculous. How can you not see how clearly this gender imbalance is for us to get the same job when you have less experience, you haven't even got the qualifications. I've had to work so hard for everything. I've got tons more experience and then I still don't even get paid fairly. So now I understand why you develop the muscle of it's actually not his fault because he was just doing the best he could in that situation Mm -hmm. and you came out kind of losing Mm -hmm. but it wasn't necessarily his fault no but the comment that really hurt me was he just said you think you're better than me and I was like yeah I'm thinking yeah I I genuinely do do. I genuinely do because if this is not arrogant no it's not arrogant but as soon as you say something like that I'm, look, I'm looked at as arrogant, right. as someone who's stepping down on my yes. partner. However, he's the one who asked the question. Okay, I see why you put that in the mansplaining answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How really, did you really deal difficult. with that? So, in the time, I was thinking, I don't know how to explain this without getting too hype, mm. <laughs> too angry. Emotions, they always get in exactly. the way. And I was like, and without, you know, breaking something or slapping him. So, <laughs> we left the conversation there. And we returned a week later. So I had spoken to other people who I knew could give me better advice than you think you're better than me. So I asked my mum, I talked to my sisters, I talked to my friends, I talked to other people in the same sport field as I am. And they just said, you've highlighted it, put it in facts, put it in writing, make a complaint. I made the complaint, they made it fair. Oh, so they evened it out? They evened it out, but it meant he got a decrease. And he wasn't happy. So, obviously, the conversation then happened, and he was a bit angry. Wait, he got a decrease, or you... He got a little bit of a decrease, and you got a little bit of an increase? No, it just got decreased (gasps) to the same. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah, pretty bad. So, we did have a conversation again. He was a bit annoyed, but at the end of the day, it's fair. Like, I I still feel like I should have got paid more, or maybe he should have got paid less, but realistically, that's how the company classes it as fair, so. Gosh, what an interesting test case that you two were in a relationship Mm -hmm. because you never would have got that information without it. Honestly, I wouldn't have. Unless I did some proper digging, I wouldn't have. Yeah, but it really highlights the way companies operate. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this also comes up time and time again in the podcast is that companies' mentality needs to change if they want more women in the workplace and quite frankly it doesn't sound like they do it feels like they have to tick boxes to say Mm -hmm. that they are looking as though they want more women and Mm -hmm. more diversity inclusivity etc etc but you know deep in their souls it doesn't seem like that's what they want no and especially when they see reports from like McKinsey for example it says you know more diverse workplace means you get more money sure they're just looking at the triple bottom line but they're not even looking at why why it really is going to work. Mm-hmm. How is it going to work? If you just throw a bunch of women in, is that even useful? Is that even worth the time and yeah. effort to do that? And often it is a case of like, oh, we'll just, we, we just need to fulfil the quotas. So whoever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever their qualifications are, like, let's just bring them in. And I've actually had women say that they don't like that. They want to be hired fair and square mm-hmm. based on merit, not on, you know, being given a leg it's up, true. basically. It's so true. So one of the issues I always want to kind of explore with my guests is how are you hoping to juggle 
um, career, because obviously you're very driven, mm -hmm. but also the other side of being a woman, like family and relationships and things like that? Um, because I haven't got to the sort of family planning part yet in my life, um, I'm just taking every year as it is at the moment. So obviously I do, I've just explained, I have a boyfriend. And because my working hours and operations means I work in the evenings, but he works, you know, normal nine to five job, it does mean that I can only really speak to him when I'm on a break or he speaks to me when he's on a break. Um, but in the relationship, we found it quite difficult because he found it tough. He couldn't really speak to me when he wanted to. And when he had his evenings off, he didn't get to talk to me. But it was reminding this is another mansplaining, reminding him that both of us have it difficult because he'd say things like, oh, it's so annoying. You're not free when I'm free and I find it so difficult. I was like, what about me? So am I. Like, it's the same. Yeah. Why should I have to adhere to your working hours? Mm. So I think it's about if you in a relationship are struggling because you work in different locations or anything like that, then you need to do what you can to make it work. And if you feel that you know it's not worth it or maybe it's too much effort or it's just not working then the sad truth is you either have to change job or you might have to change partner yeah I mean what I found is that you know developing my career and fulfilling my ambitions is really important mm -hmm. to me and often that means I'm doing things that are really antisocial and not conducive to having a relationship mm. and my partner will often say to me, oh, it's just like, it, it, you know, it sucks that you have to record a podcast on the weekend. What about our time? Like, why do you have to get up so early to go to that film shoot, whatever? And it's like, I want to say, you know what? I don't particularly like doing this either, but I have to do it in order to make these things work mm -hmm. because if I, didn't, if I didn't have it, I wouldn't... Have any of these opportunities. Yeah. Wouldn't be able to progress... And so it shouldn't be taken personally that I'm striving to make something of my life. Mm -hmm. And I find that really difficult because there are some women out there that actually want to make themselves completely and utterly available to men and at their beck and call. And that's so not me, but it doesn't mean that I don't want to be in a relationship. No, I completely get that. And I think this is just an opinion. Um, I think men, well, some men aren't used to that. Yeah. And they see, I don't know, some some men think that okay I've got a girlfriend and she's gonna like cook for me and look after the house and do all these like domestic things and then as soon as they see someone who's powerful or has you know so many opportunities it's almost like they find it what's the word they find it threatening, threatening. that's the word threatening. wow yeah we got that at the same time yeah like yeah they find it threatening yeah and instead of just but what's threatening about it? Because honestly, when I'm getting up at like five in the morning to like finish my work or I need to record something on a Saturday night, like... I'm not sure about what's you. What's threatening? <laughs> I think it's threatening because when I was growing up, that wasn't what it was like for me. I mean, my mum was the one who stayed at home. My dad was the one who worked. Mm -hmm. So I think I've grown up to see that. But then now in my position, I'm like, hold on a sec. I'm not going <laughs> to sit at home and, and yeah. you know, make the house because I love what I do. So, but what are they threatened by? That they're going to lose us? I think they're threatened because we're better than them. I don't understand that. Really? Yeah, but I mean, like, okay, so for me in a relationship, I'm threatened by the fact that my partner might meet someone else. Yeah. 
you know, and so if he's going out painting the town red, I'm like, oh, God, you know. Yeah, but even then, like, I don't know, people... I, th- I think people see girls more loyal than boys. That's just my, mm. my like, perception of it. So even then, you're worried about, you know, your boyfriend meeting another girl. But I feel like for him, he might be worried that, you know, you're doing better, you're doing more things. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I mean, I can, you know, at a stretch, I can see where the person's coming from. But, like, to me, I think the reason why I'm talking about this is because... We just want to make something of our lives. Mm. That's all. Like, we don't want to jump in bed with other people. We, I mean, this is, I mean, talking from my point of view, like, I just want to spend my life trying to help others. Mm -hmm. You know, like, doing this podcast, for example, like, I'm not making money from it. I'm not getting anything from it other than the pure joy of giving women a platform to speak their truth. Mm -hmm. And so when someone's going, oh, why are you doing that on our weekend? It's like, because I'm helping others. Like... That's all. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just screaming out for a bit of support as a woman in STEM or something. But I do feel that uh, women that are striving to make something of their lives really do lack support. No, I agree. Do you think there is support out there or do you think we're on our own? Oh my gosh, there is definitely support out there. Now, I have a cousin who is so inspirational and she started her own... um, I think it's a non-profit organisation, is that how you call it? Where she, um, it's basically like a girl society. I don't know how else to describe it, but we all are trying to get jobs. We're all trying to get careers. We all don't know what we want to do. And we meet up, we do workshops, we see other companies. It's amazing. And even when you're sat there going, you know, I've had a difficult conversation with my boyfriend or I'm trying to, I really want to get into this field, but I don't know how to. Any sort of, question you have you have like a group of people that you can talk to mm-hmm. and you can meet up with and you can also go to um you know conferences or workshops as well and develop yourself but there are places where you can get support but I'm not sure if that is everywhere so mm-hmm. for example that's in London so if you work in London great you've got that access but as soon as you start going north or south I don't think there's enough yeah I mean for women to actually reach out and try and find that support it can be really daunting Mm -hmm. Um, I mean really that's why I started this podcast because for decades I had no one to bounce ideas off Mm -hmm. and so I often spent a lot of my career feeling really weird and really unconventional Um, and then when I started talking to other women about this I was like oh my god me too Uh, yay you know and and now I realise that actually we're fighting a bit of a battle silently, hence the title of this podcast. Um, because a lot of us feel like we can't really talk about what we're going through. And um, you're lucky you say you've got this cousin that is promoting women trying to make something of their lives. But should people feel reassured that they can find help? And how would they go about finding that help? Um. I think if you want to look for help, firstly, is this like within your company? Because if you can, if there is like a mentorship scheme or anything that is within the company that they have in place, then use it. If they don't have anything in place, suggest it. Because sometimes they might have people in HR or, you know, other projects or other things that they're looking for in their future, you know, sort of horizon, Mm. what they could then be doing. So 
being able to suggest it and then actually start it is great. Also Google, 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 Google. The amount of times I like look up mentorship things or um, places where, I, where it's like a forum or something where you can ask for help or advice or see how people's careers have gone on and you know try and map out your own career progression or something. Mm. Even then that's useful. Yeah. Um, especially with this day and age, it doesn't have to just be yeah. UK based, it could be everywhere. I just hope people keep safe because, you know, often when we're seeking help and someone to listen, it means that we're a little bit vulnerable. Mm. And so, you know, it can lay you kind of open to people taking advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Your mum, by the way, sounds epic because you keep talking about her. (laughs) Like, was she an inspirational role model in your life? Absolutely. Um, Sounds like she still is. Yeah, she is. Um, one of the most recent things I love about her is that she takes no shits too. So <laughs> if so, my parents are divorced. Okay. If my mum is just like not having it right with her boyfriend, or if he's you know not treats her right, she's like, okay, bye. Literally, mm-hmm. okay, bye. I'm just like, what? How can you just? <laughs> yeah, but she she's just like, I'm done. Like, why do I have to spend my time being disrespected? Mm. And I love that about her absolutely love it yeah yeah it's pretty it's brave to be able to do that because Mm -hmm. I feel like you know women especially in this country women really rely on men there seems to be a real culture of like being an independent woman doesn't exist here Mm -hmm. I lived in the states for five years and the mentality seemed to be so different I mean you know, uh, I was in LA, maybe it was because I was on one of the coasts, Mm. but women were just so independent, free, they didn't need anything, they relied on themselves, they were totally self-sufficient. And um, I was like, wow, I need to really pull my socks up. I mean, LA for me was such an amazing experience to to really learn how to take care of myself. I think it's where I grew up. Um, I mean, emotionally grew up. And um, then I come back to London and I just don't see the same mentality. And so I feel like I'm like way too hard, way too independent. I need to compromise more. I need to sort of let people into my life and I need to stop seeing myself as like, don't worry, I've got this. I don't need anyone. Um, And now I'm just like confused about what the right balance is. Oh my gosh, poor you. (laughs) That is confusing. Yeah. I'm like... I thought being independent was great, but actually... Is that such a British thing where you have to, like, apologise for everything, even though you've done nothing wrong? It's yeah. like, oh, oops, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like, if you think you've got it, then you've got it, go do it. And if you make a boo-boo or anything, like, just fix it and carry on. Yeah. But obviously, Maybe... it's not that easy in this kind of society. And, you know, when everyone says, you know, the, the world is changing, so are jobs, so are relationships, so is everything right now. And... As long as people are accepting of it or at least open-minded about it, then we can at least make it work. Mm. That's how I feel. I do feel like in this country, um, there is a lot of resistance to adapting and kind of getting with the times. I don't know whether, I mean, you know, somewhere like America is such a young country in comparison to here. And so there's a lot of tradition to get over and a lot of like set ways. Mm -hmm. And... There's no real kind of like tolerance of new ideas. And that saddens me because women are becoming a lot more badass. 
I don't know how else to put it. Like they're they're just becoming a lot more. I mean, I never would have dreamt of meeting someone like you with your really? attitude, like you know, a decade ago. Like I think you're a real representation of female courage. I wonder where that comes from. That's kind. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, so something that we were doing at work recently was um, to try and get people to talk about safety. We asked everyone, what is it that makes you want to be safe at work? And I quite deeply was like, because I'm scared of dying, which to be fair, I am. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it's going to be like, but yeah, I'm scared. But part Once of me... Once you figure it out, be too Yeah, late. <laughs> I know, right? But part of me, the reason why I say that is because every day I try and treat it like you know, I've got to get the best day out of this. I've got, you know, X amount of hours in the day. I want to get things done. I want to speak to people. I want to see how people are. And I don't want to be missing out on a chance that I could have had. And I'm not sure if that then makes me courageous, but it at least gives me a bit more comfort that I feel like I'm doing something meaningful. Mm. And that could be to do with anything, like reaching out to a friend who I know was going through a bit of a tough time a month ago, is she still okay now? Mm. It sounds like you've really got your priorities straight because sometimes I wonder whether we're now just all obsessed about making selfies and, I don't know, promoting ourselves and me, 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 me. I'll admit my priorities aren't always right. But um, one thing that I did do was I got rid of Instagram because I felt I felt like I, I was just comparing myself to things that weren't even real. And I know people edit photos massively or even you scroll down and you just find out that they've had loads of plastic surgery. So I'm looking at myself thinking, I don't like my nose or I don't like my, my cheekbones or something. And I'm thinking, hold on a second. I'm comparing myself to someone who's also insecure and also has you know their own problems. Why should I therefore be trying to make perfection in things like you know the way I look? And because it did put quite a toll I just decided to, to delete it wow. and I did recently get it back but <laughs> the way that I use it is memes look at my friend's stories and that's about it really that's about it <laughs> I, th- I feel like this generation is going that way where it's like you know what I'm so done with all of that self indulgence mm. um and, you know, it's got so bad that you end up kind of like swinging the other way and just going, okay, I'm detaching myself from all of this. It's like a cleanse, really. It's yeah. A cleanse. Like, if you don't feel like it's giving you a healthy lifestyle, then you need to cleanse and mm. find something else. Yeah. That goes right back to what you were saying about, like, why do I care what you think? Why am I draining my energy? Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you see everything in energy. Yeah. You literally, know. energy. So where would you advise any young girls in STEM to put their energy Hmm. Where would you put your energy? Obviously, yourself, but in a healthy way. So is it like you want to do better or you want to learn how to be happy? Maybe you might need to read a book or reach out to people. Um, But also put energy into having a good balance for Mm. your life. So obviously take your career to, you know, the limits that you want or, you know, push yourself. But make sure that when you have your free time, you can enjoy it because... I've had times where, when I was doing my internships and stuff, and I'd be stressed because of the way someone treated me at work. And then it will be following me throughout my weekend. I didn't even get to relax or switch off. Then what use of my time was that? So I think definitely put that energy towards the way that you balance yourself and 
your the different things that you want to get out of life or work mm. and also learning how to manage yourself so do you need a, a mechanism to stop you worrying do you have to write it on a post-it note and then scrunch it up and throw it in the bin and it tells you that's over get over it mm. what is it that that helps you and people shouldn't be scared of asking for help even if it's someone like um like a gp or even um someone who knows about mental health mm. because it's not a bad thing it's not a taboo subject anymore and if it means that you have a better life because we have a long life now then i'd say go do it and if you feel uncomfortable doing it then speak to someone yeah yeah mental health is not talked about enough and there seems to be this like overall kind of attitude that some people are mentally healthy and other people are not and i really feel like everyone's got stuff mm-hmm. to to grapple with mm-hmm. and no one's like the bar of normal it's true um, everyone's got baggage yeah and i just feel like we should all give each other a chance to just work through it mm-hmm. you know it's all about tolerance and um you know i think being honest about one's men- mental health really gives people that openness to kind mm-hmm. of go yeah me too it's all about this kind of me too thing again i liked how um in one of the places i worked a guy said that they call it their bucket so the way they talk to each other is how full's your bucket and if you say it's overflowing it's like my mental like ability to do the stuff that you've asked me to do at work like i'm i'm struggling here or mm. you know i've got something happening at home that i don't really want to tell you about but i can tell you now that it's it's got its toll on me right using the bucket analogy at least allow people to start having the conversation rather than just you know you need to tell me if you're okay or not because some people aren't comfortable but if you have something that's more you know something that doesn't have to say the full thing but you just say oh my my bucket's about half half full mm. you can at least start having that conversation yeah the only danger with that though i'm thinking about maybe my generation is that people would use that as a way of getting off lightly Mm. you know it's like oh you know my bucket's overflowing as in like leave me alone Mm -hmm. but you could say that every day and just kind of disappear under a radar it's true but i think it's about that honesty thing isn't it yeah and trusting people so you've got to build a good team you've got to have that trust and honesty yeah so now that you've gone through your mechanical engineering um and you're in the world of work what advice would you give to anyone that's wanting to follow in your footsteps? My advice is you're doing good. So far, whatever it is that you are doing or achieving or even struggling with or feel it's a challenge, you're doing good, believe me. And also, I'd say always ask for help. Have that humility. I'm going to use that word because you used it. But Mm -hmm. have that humility because we don't always know everything you don't know what you don't know i was always told that you don't know what you don't know which is always confusing you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. yeah you don't know what okay. you don't know and always ask questions because people do have people have lived you know incredible lives and seen incredible things and done incredible things and asking questions and learning about it it's it can also inspire you it can give you the answer to what you're looking for anyway but also just sharing, tell your own story and, mm. and keep that going because conversations is how we 
shape ourselves, we shape our world this way, you know, if you take, for instance, you know, you've got people who are incredible innovators, if they hear, you know, customers are struggling with something, they might be the person to innovate a brand new product that solves all of your problems. And that's why conversations are so important. Mm. People need to talk more, I guess. Well, I must say, you have been such an inspiring guest on this show. I mean, I'm blown away. I think also it's been particularly powerful because we've been face-to-face, which I don't ever do. So I feel extremely privileged to have, first of all, met you, but then also had this hour to chat together. Thank you so much for all your wisdom. Thank you. And get those post-it notes. Yes, I will. It's the first (laughs) thing I'm going to do after this. That's it from my STEM guest this week. One thing that really stands out from our conversation is that this is a woman who doesn't need to prove herself to anyone and really just wants to be her best and fulfill her greatest potential. Thank you so much for listening this week. Don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on Silence.